Happy Pick and Bones Tuesday, everyone. We got a different one up for you. Um, by the way, while I'm on this topic, I'm updating the First Gen Hunter website right now just to uh, be a little more user friendly. And I think I'm going to take all of the Pick and Bones episodes on like debate topics. And I'm going to put those on a separate uh, uh, page. So I'm going to create a new page just for those hot topics. Uh, if you want to wade through and see what the old ones are, um, the most recent kind of debate topic was with Paul Sarita on uh, shooting albino or piebald deer, where legal, of course. Um, you know, just the controversies behind that. But uh, today's episode of Pick and Bones is going to be a little bit different. We're not really debating something. We're um, just talking about like a really, really cool nonprofit project set up by Jacob Allball from the, uh, well, let's see here. When you're listening to this, yeah, it'll be the Friday before episode, the one on surviving the snowstorm in Idaho. Just an incredible story, a true testament to um, a couple things. First of all, the toughness of Jacob and Damien surviving that nightmare. And uh, secondly, just like divine intervention. Um, a lot of, you know, the the whole time I re-listened to that episode, it's like you almost have that building dread <laughs> as the host as you're like getting through the fun stuff at the beginning, just knowing like what a challenging uh, adventure adventure our protagonists in the story were about to go on and uh the part that i think really got me and this is for you too jacob um was was when you and damien were down to like just taking seven steps at a time and and you're having kind of your out-of-body experiences with like you talked about it was as if you're like hovering over yourself and seeing yourself hiking and then also in the back of your mind thinking, dude, I don't feel like I can go another step and I might get to where I think I need to be and there might not even be a tent there because uh, you didn't know if that guy had, had packed up. And um, that part to me was like the the low point in the story, I think. Like just that I felt, I felt the dread for you <laughs> and just, I mean – what so so we're gonna do a couple things in this episode. We're gonna rehash a few things from that first story, some questions that I should have addressed better as the host when we went through the first episode. But but then we're gonna talk about when Jacob kind of the high point of the story, which is or the climax of the story, which is when you get back to base camp and you drop to your knees because you it's almost like you can finally take your foot off the gas for the first time in what, maybe 48 hours at that point. Um, and Jacob talked about this moment of clarity that rushed over him where he knew the rest of his life was going to be different. We're going to talk about that today on this episode of Pick and Bones. But before, Jacob, I got to ask you a few things, a few questions that I, I should have addressed better. So I think you talked about this earlier in the episode, but I must have like not understood it right. Did you guys own the spike tent or did that guy own the spike tent? Uh, so the spike tent and stove was actually his. Okay, so that's really why you guys were were wondering yeah, if he's going to be gone. Yeah, because what we did is we shared the load to carry it down. Actually, well, we carried it down for him. Uh, me and Damien, I think I had the stove and he had the tent, um, and we left ours up at top. Um, okay. So I had a hot tent as well. We were talking about how we had a hot tent, but no stove. And he's like, "Well, I got a stove." And so we used his hot tent, his stove, because his hot tent was a little bit lighter um, and a little bit smaller than ours. Uh, so that was his stuff. Wow. Yeah. So that, <laughs> I'm kind of glad I didn't know that until now, for sure. Like I didn't have it sorted out because that would have made it even more stressful because <laughs> yeah, he definitely could have just picked up and left. Yep. And oh my goodness. Yeah. So, so we, we were supposed to be back by 1030 to noon was our agreed upon kind of meet back at the tent by then. Uh, and we were, it was dark that by the time we oh got my back, goodness. So we were worried that he maybe said, Hey, they must've left me here. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be here. Let's get out of here. So we were kind of worried about that, but, um, man, that's, that's the divine but, intervention part right there. You know what I mean? Like had that tent not been there, 
I don't, I hate to think about that that outcome is, and I'm sure you hate even more to think about that outcome, but praise God it was there. Every, <laughs> you guys were able to get some food in your system and get, get some warmth, but okay. So that was one question. Another question was, um, the elk. Um, I know you guys had, you had to like come off the mountain to go meet up with your buddy at the hotel and you kind of recouped at the hotel for a little bit, but you were back out there pretty quick. Um, yep. and, and you were hunting with, you said, a different rifle with a different scope because the other scope got jacked up in, on the way there. Yep. Um, but did you guys did you guys uh, ever come across any sign of the elk that you shot? No, we spent five days in that exact area. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually stayed on this side looking across, um, glassing for all day long. Um, we never did discover it. Um, and then when we spun around to the other side and actually went back down in that drainage, um, and uh, once we drove around to that drainage and we dropped down, um, we ended up scouring for any more blood of him coming back up that we didn't see or what. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, no, never, never nothing led to anything. No. So do you think he? Do you think he might have made it? Like it was a superficial hit or something? I hit him back. Um, part of the things that I learned, um, reading wind in the critical, I mean, I spent a ton of time shooting and I mm-hmm. was on at the range. I mean, I was dialed, um, and my elevation was perfect. My gear mm-hmm. was perfect. Um, what I didn't put into, uh, importance, um, is making a good wind call. Cause like at the range you shoot and you miss left you just pull your reticle over and send it again. And you sit there and just hammer and like, my gosh, this gun's hammering. Like I'm confident at this distance. Well, it's a big difference between first round hit and second round hit. It's massive. Mm. I mean, it's very difficult. Um, Mm -hmm. Cause I mean, I was using a 300 wind mag at the point. And at that distance, I mean, it's nothing to have three, four feet of wind pull. And I did hold for wind. I, I I read that the morning thermals were going to be pulling down the drainage. I couldn't see the wind. There wasn't anything because it was just an open air pocket. But I knew the thermals were pulling down. So I held front shoulder, like front of front shoulder, mm-hmm. uh, to try to let it pull, push back. But I think it went back. Um, and I, I couldn't tell exactly the entrance point um, or exit. Um, I'm, I'm not exactly sure, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I, I hope he did. Yeah, yeah, I hope so too. But sounds we'll like you, it sounds we'll like you back. did exactly what you had to. You know, like you, yeah. you, you put in the time, and and it's hard. I mean, I think that's something that you can't really describe to somebody. They just have to experience it on their own. Just how thick that country is. You know, when uh, I was in Montana on, on a bear hunt, I, I, I think I missed. I had two shots on a bear at like 300 and some yards and and uh i mean like if like i felt like i adjusted for the shot and everything fine but just based on how the bear reacted i think i just missed twice but we spent a ton of time looking for blood looking for you know and just the further you walk into the bush it's just like (laughs) that thing could be literally anywhere and Mm -hmm. i mean you could you could look for so long and you're just not going to find it so yeah, I I mean, it's good to know that there's some some level of closure here for for all of us hearing the story and and I uh, wish, you know, you could have you could have come back. I know like you said, you considered that a punch tag for yourself and that's pretty honorable. You know, I think a lot of people would would probably just just keep hunting, but um, you know, that's that's uh that's that's the way it goes sometimes. And then uh I think you said one buddy almost got a shot on well, on another one actually, actually at that point i considered in my head um my tag was punched yep but i didn't tell him my tag was punched and um how this he even ever even ended up coming on this is i had a tag and um he was going to come out and just accompany me and mm-hmm. i was providing all his gear and all that stuff for the most part and uh he we ended up getting him a leftover tag and it was kind of like the he he said if i get a tag pretty much like you're first like you this is your hunt but if you get one then i'll have a tag yeah well in in my head the whole time i knew when we found the next 
bowl. I would, I, my tag was punched and I was going to hand it over to ah, him. Nice. Nice. Um, so we had an opportunity and I threw the gun up there and got it set up and said, get on here. He's like, what? And so I put him on the gun to, um, and I, I'm still not completely exactly sure why we missed. Um, cause the elk sat there and they didn't move and it was, uh, I mean, it may be a further shot, like a 480, 500 yard shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that gun that we were using, what I brought it home and I shot it and it was hammering right there at that distance. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure, but we had that fresh snow and I couldn't find it. I couldn't, I'm sitting there spotting shots and I couldn't find a single impact. Hmm. Uh, they were still standing there. He, I think he shot three times. He did, did, just, it was missing. Um, so I, we couldn't tell if it was high or low cause there was no wind. Um, yeah. and I was like, we were like, let's just not shoot. And, uh, they just stood there and we could have kept slinging rounds if we wanted to, but I'm like, man, I don't know what's going on. I thought he maybe had nerves on the first shot. I was like, let's do another mm-hmm. one. Um, but I wasn't able to spot shots. So we just kind of gave up at that point. And yeah, uh, I think that was almost the, that took the wind out of us. At that point we decided we needed to go get my, uh, my rifle. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's where we hiked around um, and uh, tried to come in from the top of that drainage and go down and get my rifle. And we did. And then we hunted a couple of days there um never had another opportunity yeah well hey that's still a huge accomplishment to get out there and get shots fired and even and even get a hit at that distance on on one elk you know i think what can happen is uh people on the outside when they hear a story like this they think oh they went all that way went through all that suffering and didn't come home with an elk but i say this all the time on here on a big trip like that there's such a long list of things you have to get right in order to even get a chance at getting a shot. And yep. uh, there's probably at least, you know, a thousand things that you have to, little decisions that go into into getting those opportunities. And you guys got twice, 999 of those decisions right out of a thousand, which is a great average. Yep. And that shows, you know, your skill as hunters and being able to adapt to a new environment and you know all on public land too um where you had a lot of other variables at play and so and plus the other downside is just the weather you know obviously it tried to kill you but also those are times when you're not hunting and like that's the time when you know you have off from work and you're away from home and stuff you want to be able to hunt every moment you can but sometimes the weather just shuts us down and, and that's, that's a big part of it too. So, but yeah, it's such a great story. If you haven't listened to the whole episode yet, please do. Actually, I'm going to say hit pause right now, go back. I believe it's episode number 212, and, um, listen to the full story because this next part is critical, uh, to understand the context. It's critical to, uh, go and and um hear that what like the rising action that leads to the point we're going to talk about today the the moment of clarity um jacob was on the phone with his wife basically just she was just keeping him conscious as he's working his way back to base camp to go and get some dry clothes get some fuel in the tank as far as hitting some gatorades and body armors and um, then he was going to start working back to Damien on the trail. <clears throat> and you were so overcome with emotion and I imagine exhaustion too, really. Your body's probably just like, you know, it's like when you finish the marathon, you know, it's like finally, I, you know, you it's like you broke through that tape at the finish line, you know. And um, your your body and your mind became one again where – it's like, hey, we're both really tired, and now's the time to drop. But you had this this moment of clarity that you talked about. Can you tell us, like, you said your life was forever going to be changed from this moment. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's hard to, I mean, I've still not got my head completely wrapped around it. Um, but I knew right then and there that it was such an impactful um, moment for me that I wasn't sure how my life could continue exactly the like without being changed in some sort of fashion mm-hmm. uh, and then I, I knew personally that it was going to change my life by like 
my wife's life, my kid's life, like my close, like I is 100% without a doubt, it was going to change our lives. Um, and just the way I lived my day to day and um, where I pulled my priorities. Cause um, when you kind of get to that point where you're not sure if you're gonna go home, um, it brings to light what's really important to you pretty quickly. Um, it leaves no doubt of what's not important and what is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was kind of that enlightenment. And like you said, divine intervention, there was no doubt in my mind um, that had to um, have some divine intervention there in order to make it off the, off the mountain there. Um, and that was just kind of the, the point that I knew there was a bigger purpose behind it. Um, and I quit, I wasn't quite sure when we started heading home, even what the changes exactly were going to be. And I told my wife on the way home, like things are going to be different. I'm not sure exactly what they were. Cause like we, me and my wife were not in a bad, bad like place by any means. Like we, mm-hmm. we, we had a great relationship, have great kids, um, all that. I just, I just told her like something's like things are going to be different. Um, and I'm just not sure exactly what that looks like yet. Um, and then, so actually, and this might be getting a little bit too far ahead, but, um, I ended up with full, you ever heard rhabdo? Yeah. Yep. So I ended up with full blown rhabdo pretty bad. And I got back and as I told you before, I trained pretty hard and I was going to take like a week off from that trip. And I got back and, um, I had just run a marathon like nine days, <laughs> 10 days prior to leaving for the trip. That's um, crazy, man. I, I tried running a 5k. Uh, I, I made, I could made it almost like three quarters of a mile and my legs hurt so bad. I had to walk and I didn't think I was going to make it back to work. So I was running it at lunch. Um, things weren't getting better. I was icing them. I was eating good. I was sleeping good. I was just trying to get my legs and like something wasn't right. So I went and started getting blood panels done. Um, and my liver was in pretty critical condition, um, that they were, we were doing blood work routinely quickly. Um, trying to see if those numbers were going to come back down. Um, cause I, I kind of realized that I had rhabdo too late. I should have been in the hospital probably about mm, definitely. Day after, um, and on IV fluids and stuff like that. So all of that had surpassed the rhabdo. Now my liver was just trying to come back to my liver, suffered the brunt of it. And, um, it took th- three months, um, until my liver enzymes and everything come back. And actually, um, East to West times was helping me quite a bit with that. Um, kind of give me because some of his backgrounds in that. I was taking a bunch of liver supplements and drinking like two and a half gallons of water a day, trying to flush it out. But man, that's crazy. I I asked. So my wife, she's a nurse, and and uh, she's spent the bulk of her career as an ICU nurse, and so she you know deals with critical patients all the time. And and I was like, yeah, the guy I interviewed, he he had really bad rhabdo after that, and she's like. Oh yeah, that's, that's horrible. Um, she said just to kind of put it into context for people, like the way you got it is one way, um, which is like just extreme exertion, um, truly extreme exertion. Like people who run ultras don't even get, you know, rhabdo necessarily. Uh, and another way she said is like, um, the way she would usually see it is, uh, old people who live by themselves that would fall and be like, you know, stuck in one spot for days. And, uh, you know, their body's just depleted of fluids and, and, and food and everything else. They would develop rhabdo and, and from being their muscles stuck in like one position for all that time and, and everything. And so that shows you like how horrific of shape you were. And then I was yeah. thinking after she told me that, holy cow, he went back out there and hunted and hiked around for what, like another week or something like that after, after the fact uh, or five days or something. Yeah. I think about six days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't imagine that that marathon, you know, nine days before your trip, cause that really depletes your body too. Uh, you know, had you not been in a bad situation like you were, it, it, you probably wouldn't have even noticed. But, but uh, that I'm sure got compiled on top of the fact that you were, you know, having to basically hike for your life. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, pretty pretty severe side of things. So now that you you know you get through the three months of recovery, you um, t- 
talked, you had your conversation, I'm sure many more conversations with your wife when you got back and you, you were talking about things are going to be different now. Um, what did that start to materialize as for you? Um, as a, on a personal level, um, I just realized how hard, like what, what really is hard. And that's mm. just, um, like I got put in a position that made all these things that I thought were hard prior to, um, aren't even slightly difficult and you just got to do things. Um, and I think as an American society, we've, and it, it kind of opened my eyes to this. Um, and I, that's kind of where the primal dad and primal faith and all that stuff come from is like, we weren't designed to sit behind computers mm. nine hours a day when we were put on this earth, we're, we're an apex predator. Yeah. Um, and we should, we should live life that way. I think mm. so. Um, I think masculinity is something that is far and forgotten in our society nowadays. Mm -hmm. Um, being, you know, fit, um, eating healthy, moving, getting out and getting stuff done, going outside. Um, it's just not something that's lost. It's just lost in our society. Um, and then I wanted to leave, I wanted to live that life. I wanted to live the way that I was supposed to be. I was designed, God designed us to be. Um, so that just made it simpler from my own point of like, Hey, I'm going to eat these things and I'm just going to do it. I'm going to get up and I'm going to hit these workouts. I'm not like, it's not a, it's not a difficult thing to do. I'm just going to get it done. Um, so it just made the things that were like, man, I don't want to do it. Like, yeah. it's, it's the weirdest thing I told my wife. It's like, it's, it's, it changed my mindset to where it's, it's not really an option. I'm just going to do it because it's the way it's supposed to, supposed to be done. Um, and it made just, I don't know, more headstrong. Um, and that this life is short. That was the biggest thing that stuck with me is this life is oh so short. Um, I've got little kids right now. And I didn't realize the importance of how quick that time frame will be over mm. um, and how my kids might be thrown into a position in their life where they need to be tough. They need to be tough yeah. young young boys, tough men, because um, society is not really teaching them these things. So I need to be there as a father, as a role model for them. Um, and in order to do that, I, I kind of live and die by this saying is you can tell your kids a million things. You can preach it every day, but if you don't show them the way to yeah. live, um, and that's kind of on my personal level, that's kind of where things were going to change. And I started doing that. Um, my wife noticed an instant change. I noticed an instant change, um, just showing up, being attentive to my kids and then putting like, there's nothing else really matters to me at this point. Um, I care about my family, my wife, my kids, my other family members, um, all the materialistic things don't don't hold mm. any spot in my heart anymore. Um, yes, the sport that we do requires some gadgets that are nice and expensive and stuff to do, but those things aren't really um, something that drives me anymore. But um, leading and creating a healthier and um, more fulfilled life and uh, was something pretty prevalent. And uh, so I... I and that's not kind of on the personal level. So we're two months afterwards and uh, we're getting closer to the new year. And I'm like, man, I really want to crush this new year with this new, this new, um, I don't know what you call this, this new focus. Mm -hmm. So I, I went ahead and um, my wife and I started a real estate company at the end of the year last year. Um, I still had that's all cool. these. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the, uh, what's the real estate company called? Uh, it's Primal Estates. Okay, Primal Estates. Good, good, good. Yeah, yeah, Primal Estates. So we started that. I put this list up. We have a whiteboard. And I'm like, hey, we're gonna all going to put this on this board, and we're going to try to strive to get these things. I'm talking my my seven-month-old at the time. We put his name on there. Like, what what are the tasks that he's going to accomplish? I like guess <laughs> like walking, say dada a lot, little things like that. Uh, and then my wife had on, and I have all these personal goals. Um and this is probably like December 10th time frame, December 15th, somewhere okay. in there. Um, and it wasn't, I don't know, probably five days later. And on that whiteboard, I had, uh, I wanted to start two LLCs, which I had already kind of started on that. And um, we wanted to donate. That's one thing I really wanted to do. I wanted to try to donate a, some of 
our money, time, et cetera, to really, cause I, I personally enjoy helping people. Um, sure, it's, a, sure. it's an internal joy for me. Um, but we ended up going into church one Sunday and just typical day at church, two kids trying to manage them with the, that church. Um, uh, cause our oldest didn't go to his own room yet. Um, <laughs> I know and how that goes. So it's kind of <laughs> hard to stay attentive the whole time and understand and listen yep. to what's going on. Um, and there was a moment there that kind of just, it was like, uh, it was the weirdest thing. It's like everybody in the room disappeared. Like it, it reminds me a lot about that out of body experience. That That's feeling. what I was going to say. Was it kind of, was it kind of that I, again? Identical, like the same feeling just mm. instead I'm inside of my, my head. I'm, I'm in my eyes, but I wasn't like <laughs> seeing it through my body instead of looking at me, um, everybody in the room disappeared and it was like the pastor was talking, but there was nobody else there. It was just straight to me. And it wasn't mm. like he was talking. It almost was like an external feel. It's hard to describe. Um, I went in there with zero thoughts of this primal faith thing, not even the beginning inkling of it. Um, within a five minute conversation, I had probably 70% of the, what, like not conversation, but like just listening, um, it was just like somebody opened up my head and just dumped a spigot and was running it wide open of this is what you're going to do. Um, and I walked out of there that day and I have a real good buddy. And my, I told my wife, as soon as I walked out, they're like, this is what we're going to do. She's like, what? And I'm like, this is, this is what we're going to do. We're going to like, this is what I want to do. Um, it just feels like that's the right thing to do. And I ended up, I have a real good buddy of mine that goes to the church as well. And I called him and told him, he's like, man, that sounds like pretty cool. Uh, obviously it's my vision, um, yeah. it my, is my calling, I guess you could say it. Um, so he, he wasn't as fired up as I was about it, but, um, I haven't lifted it. It's been like, it's been, everything's kind of just been happening ever since. And that was the primal faith thing. Um, and we've been kind of working towards, but it's kind of weird. It's like, I'm a very critical thinker. Um, mm -hmm. so I have to think everything through. Well, you said, you said you road. were you said you were an engineer, so it kind of yeah, goes with yeah. the territory, I think. <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking three years down the road, everything else in my life is like this. I have to have plans, targets, numbers, everything. This has been totally different, and I have not had the reins. I'm just feel like I'm the facilitator on it, and it's different. <laughs> the, the ideas and like the the direction we're going to go just seems like they've been dropped into me. Like it'll be sometimes every two days I'll get this. Like it's like yep. No questions like wow. that's, that. That wasn't my thought. That was divine intervention at that point. Um, and things have just kind of been materializing. And sometimes I go a week and don't have any new ideas or anything. Um, but as soon as I that was on Sunday and Monday morning, I started hitting the ground running. Um, I started doing the paperwork. because The not for profit. There's a lot of paperwork associated mm -hmm. with it. And I was like, there's only one thing I know. And I got to get this paperwork. I started making phone calls to everybody I knew who had made them. Um, doing research, got on, got a couple of attorneys called attorneys called CPAs. Like, this is what I need to do. And, uh, started rolling with it. Uh, cause I, I there wasn't no question. And I told Kay, I said, we're going to take our, cause I had, I had all those numbers laid out for what we were going to do with our real estate company. I had a detailed plan. We're doing this in January, this in February. We just have shoved it completely on the back burner. Hmm. Uh, haven't even started anything on that side. Um, and this has kind of been my drive. Um, and that's, that's where I'm at right now. And like I said, I'm not in control. I'm just, yeah, just facilitating well, at the moment. So, yeah, I, I love it. And, uh, you know, the biggest part of doing a nonprofit is, is participation from others around. Um, yeah. So participation from the folks that are going to benefit from the nonprofit participation from those who buy into your vision, uh, which I think you would say isn't actually your vision is a vision given to you. Um, yep. and, uh, it, and, uh, people trying to support it, uh, both, you know, through maybe volunteer work themselves or even, uh, financially to help, uh, meet the needs that, that go on with that. So let's kind of break it down there real quick. Who, so somebody who thinks that, you know, they can, they can benefit from what's going on with primal faith. How can they get involved? How should they reach out to you and that kind of thing? Yeah, to be honest with you, things are still materializing in um, any government entity or Western states. They're both long processes. If you want to get a tag out West, it's a long process. Yep. 
Um, it's not like I can just say go, go now and uh, not, I mean, you know how it is. You got to have these plans yeah. one, three, five, ten years in advance. So mm -hmm. I think as we grab traction, it's going to be much better. Um, I have a lot of stuff in the works. Um, I think by next year, this is going to be a very fun conversation to be had. Um, I'm trying my hardest to figure out something to really try to get something going this year. And I have some stuff that's going to, but I just can't talk to it because I don't want to talk to it. Um, yep, nope. I, I have to wait for the IRS to give my approval of the 501. Um, all the paperwork's in. They have everything. Um, so I did all the paperwork and... I have my board of directors already appointed. Damien's on one of the board of directors. It's oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so he's on the board of directors. My other buddy that goes to church was on the board of directors. And I have a couple others that are going to be um, coming on at a later date after we got it off the ground. Um, so we got some of that. And then I got some, been talking to with the local church. But uh, our, our, our vision is this. Um, as I said, as I believe um, the American society right now has been failing us. Um, mm -hmm. young men, especially, um, it's just seems like a disconnect from the way we were designed and the way this normal society operates. And I'm not sure if COVID has a lot to do with it, or if we've just fallen so far away from, um, what's right. Um, and what it means to be a man and like have purpose in life and wake up. Cause you, I mean, I'm sure you've had moments in your life where you're like, man, what, like, what's. That's why I switched my career, man. I, yep. I got tired I of living the white collar world and just only using my brain and not my body, you know? Yep. Yep. So it's just like, like, what is, what does it mean to be a man and to live in this society? And cause I mean, obviously you can't live like we did 60 years ago. You just can't cause right. it's just not the way it is, but there's a way to live in this normal this modern yeah, you can, world you can adopt elements of 60 years ago and put them in yes, your life and keep it and that's why the that's where the word primal comes from um it's keeping those roots of the way we were designed and implementing in our day-to-day -day life here um so what we're going to be targeting doing is taking individuals in as of right now and i hate to say it this is a this is for men um that's just what my vision is right now maybe this isn't mm -hmm. always that way uh, but this is a men's thing because that's the way it's kind of outlined to be. Uh, we're going to take men. Um, and ha I have a couple different ideas of way we're going to be, how you're going to earn these hunts. There's going to be ways to win these um, positions to be invited on to Primal Faith, of which we'll be taking you on a dream Western hunt. Mm -hmm. uh, somewhere between five to ten days is what my intentions are. Um, and it could be anywhere. It could be out west. It could be down texas it could be alaska um got some stuff going on there hoping for 2027 awesome. on that because you, you, you know how far out alaska yep. is yeah uh, yep. got some stuff there that's looking for 2027 i'll head into alaska with some uh an individual have room for them on that um but we're gonna be taking them on these hunts but in the process i don't just want to take them on this hunt because not i don't think it's life-changing um it is for me because that's the closest that's where i connect with god the best Mm -hmm. um, that's the closest I feel it's, it's, it strips all of your society away, all of your worries. And you're focused on one thing. Um, mm -hmm. you have nothing. Money doesn't matter. What yeah. you do for a living doesn't matter. How big your house is doesn't matter. What you drive doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is what you're doing at that moment and what you have, which is mm -hmm. nothing. You yeah. got 40 pounds, 50 pounds on your back of stuff. And that's all you've got. Um, and that's all you're going to have for the next however long, eight days. Um, and I think it really opens up a lot of clarity, opens up your brain by, and it, I think it takes a couple of days too. It's not, you can't go on a day yeah, hike yeah. and really see it. Uh, like, yeah, you get to see nature, but you don't get to become nature. Right. right. Day yeah. five, yeah, seven, it's the, whole, really it's the whole hiking versus hunting thing. It's just not like hiking's fun and all, but it's just not it. You know what I yep. mean? You're just, you're not, like you said, you're not becoming nature. You're, yep. you're observing. Yep. And I think it really kind of opens your eyes to like what, what's important. Like, man, I, I'm really out of shape or man, I, I, like maybe all those things that I worry about all day, every day aren't really important because I'm out here and I don't mm -hmm. think about them for one second. Um, but that's going to be their goal. I mean, like that's going to be like the, the thing that they're going to be winning is this, these five to 10 day hunts um, and everything's going to be paid for. You're, I'm working on the gear, the, the trips, the flights, the hunt. That's incredible, the, man. The, the, the guns, the ammo, everything, bino, binos, rigs. Um, so we're working on all that stuff and providing all that for the hunt to where somebody who's always dreamed of doing this. Because I mean, you talk to any Eastern hunter, 
and they're always like, man, I'd love to go kill an elk out west. That's I wish right, I would. Yeah. And then I was like, man, I'm, I need to just get that done. I need to go do that. And then you just, it never happens. Mm -hmm. uh, so that'll be kind of like what that'll be what's winning it for them. Um, and then the service also I want to include in this is uh, we're setting up kind of a team um, for multifacets. And we are going to have a, like a section of this that is going to be disabled vets. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're going to be doing like daily healthy habit implementation, physical fitness implementation. So there'll be like there'll be some that you can win these hunts by you just put in. And there'll be some that you can't nominate yourself. Somebody else will have to nominate you for this. And then there'll be some challenges. Like right now, I'm running a 2.4 miles every single day of 2024 challenge. Um, I just put up money for it, and I'm in the competition with them, but I'm not actually competing. Um, and like whoever just – last man standing, whoever does it the longest will win this uh, lump sum of money. But I'd like to do stuff like that, but the end the end of that is a hunt. Yeah. Um, because through that, they're going to they're gonna have so much self-development. Um I mean, heck, we're 40 days in already, and some of the people that are in this thing are like, man, this has been life-changing. And it's like, it's it's simple. It's 2.4 miles. Anybody can walk 2.4 miles. You don't have to run it. You don't have to, you can just hike it, whatever. Um, so it be some fitness goals there, mental development. And if you get out and move 2.4 miles every day, your mental, you just can't help oh, yeah. but become mentally better. Um, anxiety leaves, your, your happiness becomes, your confidence becomes stronger. Um, but so there'll be some challenges. Uh, so that's the physical and like mental side of things of helping. Um, we're going to show, bring some really um, faith driven fathers into it and show how to be And most of the men I'm assuming are going to be fathers or want to be fathers or young men. Uh, we're going to teach them how to be fathers. I don't know how to be a father. I'm learning. I'm just learning, but I'm very intensively trying to do my best at it. Uh, so maybe some people who have been through this to have the 18 year olds or they just came out of the house and they had to learn from this and they want to pass on their knowledge. Uh, so we're going to help these guys with um, maybe weekly meetings or get togethers and kind of like, hey, this is this um, dinners have a men's um, and we're, we're going to work on the faith thing too. Um, kind of expose them to um, what it means to be to follow Christ and uh Love what it. that entails uh we're not going to push it on them by any means we're not going to yeah. it's not going to be a rule like hey if you don't believe you're not going um we're just going to kind of show them like ideas and like this and and it's my opinion that once you go out there, if you kind of get these ideas in the back of your head and you go out there and experience these hunts that i'm going to try to design to be very stripping of society i don't I, it'd be hard to leave it not believing um yeah. and that's my goal is not to make just it's not going to be a five to ten day adventure this is going to be a six month thing um, mm. you're going to start prepping for it. You're going to get in shape. Uh, you're going to see what it's like to work and then have that reward at the end. Um, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, the details are, like I said, uh, that's a, and, yeah, it's a mountain of details, but man, that's I awesome. and I get these crazy ideas that just, I don't even want to put into like what the end goal that this could look like. Um, I think it could truly be, cause I think we need more of these communities and more people fighting for this. Um, definitely, uh, it's, I'm just using the hunting, like to be, to, to be honest with you, it's the, the hunting is not, that's just the avenue that I am using for the community of which I want to bring better to America and have a better community to help people. Um, it just happens to be the hunting is my way of doing it. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what I, I love doing. Um, it's what I know. It's what I've learned kind of, it's, it's a skill set of mine and, I guess I should say, and it's where I, I, um, I think a lot of people can connect too. I think it's very, since I've, I've been that way since young age, that's where I do my best thinking, um, yeah. 20 feet up in a tree stand or in the middle of the mountains. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's kind of yeah. what our goal is to be. And, uh, we're, we're working, uh, I've been talking to some companies and stuff too, as well. So there's a lot of, a lot of stuff in the works. It's just, we need that stamp of approval from the IRS before really any start dominoes can start falling. Um, but everybody I've talked to up to this point has been pretty fired up about it. Like just, they're like, man, that's really cool. It's, it's been an easy sell. Um, so I think the future for it could be pretty incredible. Yeah. Well, it's great to catch a little bit of your, your idea. And um, uh, I'm excited to see how it flushes out more too. I think uh, you're, you're addressing all the main things that are going to have to be hit on um, you know, to, to make something like this happen. And, 
if you're tuning into this, um, you can find in the show notes on this episode, you can find the Instagram for Jacob and, um, uh, that'd be a great way to connect. I'm, but I imagine there's probably a website that's going to eventually be coming. For, yeah. The, uh, the, the, website whole... is, the website is in the works. Um, I have somebody who's wanting to do that actually as a donation. Um, Oh, that's as, huge. For me. Yeah. They're, they're going to do it. They're a marketing major. So they're going to donate the there. But, uh, like I said, 501 has got to be done first. Yep. Uh, because it makes it when you donate to a 501, it makes a big difference than just donating to some guy saying that they're not for profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so technically, we're just a corporation at this point that actual not for profit uh, has to get the stamp of approval from the IRS, which I don't foresee it not being approved. They just, yeah, just, slow, just slow federal, federal government red tape yep. stuff, always, always slow and boggy, but you'll get there for sure. And, we, we do uh, have a good Facebook page that I put together myself. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, it's grabbing some uh, pretty good traction pretty quick every time I post something about it. Um, so that's kind of where we're going to be steering everybody at this point is the Facebook page. Um, that's kind of where the, the you're, you're going to find, and I'm going to be putting up some videos this week because I have been working on, because uh, from a, a personal standpoint, me and Katie's kind of goal giving or giving of this year, uh, we're funneling it all through Primal Fates. So there's a lot of gear acquisition and stuff going on on our side. Uh, we'll be posting up the videos, kind of showing, just doing some videos and rundowns of like, hey, this is the gear we required for the guys that are going to be going on these trips. Um, so those, those videos are coming coming out this week. Awesome. Facebook too. Awesome. Well, I will share the Facebook uh, page as well in the show notes. So if uh, you're listening to this, sounds like something you're, you'd be interested in participating in. Um, go right there and, and get started. It sounds like, and, uh, you know, it is a faith ministry. So I know I will be praying for it. That's the most important thing that can be done for, for anything. Right. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, the, the just what a great way to give back and all of this. And I'm so glad to hear Damien's involved too. Um, you know, I, I imagine you guys have a deeper relationship after going through. Well, well to be honest with you, we didn't have a relationship before we left. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. 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 We were, we were, we were, we didn't have any, we didn't really have much of a relationship at all prior to leaving. So, um, now I'd go to war with the guy. So, right. Yeah, relationship, yeah. Our relationship is much, uh, much deeper than yep. it probably would be with any other trip of only that short period of time. Right. Right. And you know, another thing too, is, uh, if somebody listening in gets, gets drawn eventually to, uh, do one of these hunts, it's always good to know that, um, uh, your guide has, has, uh, been there, done that, you know, gone to the, gone to the brink and survived because, uh, that means they're not going to lead you off the side of a mountain because they don't want to go off there again either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's to be honest with you, we're going to be looking at more, uh, um, we'll have some other guides, um, maybe some oh, private, that's cool. ranch, yeah. private ranch, maybe public, uh, um, looking more towards, cause I don't want to put people in those positions that I was in. Uh, and maybe 15, 20 years from now, I have so much experience underneath my belt. I'm 100% confident to put somebody else's life in my hand like that. Uh, but more people that are, we're going to be using professional like base camp guides, uh, horseback, okay, yeah. the wilderness. Oh, um, that'd be cool. Maybe, I still want to do. I I still want it to be. I don't want to be at the personal. Um, as of now, I still don't want it to be like cabin based. I don't. I want it to be in the middle of wilderness right. base camp, um, like a drop camp off of horses or um, a plane ride in or mm-hmm. a float boat into something like that, um, to where you have something that you can get yourself out of and not over overdo it. Um, yeah. so that's, that's kind of the route that we're going to be going for quite a while for the foreseeable future. I'll still be going on my own backcountry uh, spike tent hunts, but, um, yeah, if I'm taking anybody else's life, I don't want to be responsible for that in that world. So, uh, we'll be doing some, we'll be keeping it a little more, um, a little more tame, I guess I should say. Yeah, that's great. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see how you you grow in your Western hunting experience too, running kind of parallel to this. That's going to be really fun to see. And you're right. You know, I'm glad you brought up the part too, about how you want it to be uh, a primitive experience, because I think one of the things when we're talking about, okay, what happened to masculinity? I think there's a lot of soft addictions, like addictions always been around. Um, 
I mean, forever. Right. Um, and it comes, you know, there's obviously like very hard addictions that, that totally wreck people's lives, but I think there's a lot of soft addictions that just make us like ineffective kind of, you know, just, uh, kind of spinning our tires. And, uh, you're right when you get, you know, you can't be addicted to the internet when you have no internet signal. You can't yeah. be, you can't, uh, you know, be just scrolling the screen time for hours a day when, yeah. uh, you have nothing to plug your cell phone into, to, uh, keep it running. And even if you did, there's nothing to watch on it because, uh, you have no service. Yep. So getting removed from that stuff, it's, it's one, honestly, it's one of the only ways that we're able to like, how do you say this? Put ourselves in a position where we can't just like regain control of it, right? Yeah. There is no easy button to be pushed out there. Right. Exactly. All that stuff gets stripped away. And I think that is, it's really important for people to stay grounded, to to be, you know, stuck in those scenarios for, like you said, at least five days. And um, yeah, that's where, that's where you can have your moment of clarity, like, like Jacob did. And um, so definitely check that out. Primal faith, big things coming up. Um, Just look for ways at, you know, Jacob says we got some more details to work out coming up, but um, be keeping your eye on that and, um, you know, look for how you can get involved if uh, you feel like you're buying into the vision there. Um, I know I definitely am. So uh, thanks so much, Jacob, for coming on to talk about that. Uh, do remember, everyone, this podcast is presented by Spartan Forge. Been using it like crazy. Um, I, I, I literally drive with it pulled up in my little uh, phone holder. And when I see a really good looking piece or I see a field with a lot of deer, I stop, bink, drop a pin. and that's either a door I'm going to knock on or maybe just a place I'm going to study more on uh, through e-scouting and see if I want to go back. I also had it out this week when I checked out a new chunk of private ground, and I was just marking all sorts of uh, scouting features, and I'd really like to go back and hunt there for the early muzzleloader season coming up, Uh, just be a tremendous place. And then as Jacob talked about, Alex with East West Hunts, helps him with his hunt plans, helps me as well. Um, it just raises your your chances so much, in my opinion, to work with Alex. Uh, uh, it just makes, makes a successful tag-filling trip possible. Um, <clears throat> of course, there's many different ways to measure success, but all of us are there to punch a tag, work with Alex, and that is much more likely to happen. And um, also... Oh, and for Alex, go to eastwesthunts.com and uh, tell them you heard about it on this podcast and you'll save yourself 10%. And then my medic, you're going to be out in the back country. You need to have the right gear to keep you alive in case of the worst. Um, their med kits, I like the MyFac Pro kit, which I don't think they, I think they have a MyFac Pro that's in a waterproof version now. Um, but the other options are the MyFac Large and MyFac uh, small, I'd go with a large and then maybe kind of almost like the base camp idea, keep the bulk of the kit back at base camp, take the essentials like tourniquet, gauze, um, maybe like some anti allergy stuff in case you get stung by hornets or something. If it's an early season elk hunt or something like that, bring all the life-saving stuff with you into the, into the back country and then have the rest of the stuff for, getting you a little more stable back at base camp get the myfac large you can find a link for that um, use the promo code first gen 15 at checkout and you'll save 15 percent, which is a big deal off of uh, your purchase so uh, please check out my medic for all your first aid needs and finally you shoot something awesome you're going to want to take it to a good taxidermist i so uh, a longtime friend of mine one of the guys that helped me keep my interest in hunting alive while i was growing up uh, he, uh, called me this week and he said, Hey, I was listening to uh, one of your recent podcasts on hog hunting. And he's like, your commercial at the end about bad taxidermy. Um, that is so true. And he went on to tell me about this Turkey that he had done. He paid 350 bucks for this Turkey and the, the mount smelled so bad. He said, when he picked it up that, uh, the guy who mounted it is like, here, just, uh, 
uh, spray it down with Febreze every few days. And he had already tucked some Febreze like car air fresheners under the wings on the mount. And uh, <laughs> my buddy Nick was just totally disgusted by it. And guess where that mount sits today? It sits in his chicken coop and his chickens peck at it and perch on it. It's the most horrific piece of taxidermy work I've ever seen. So don't go and get bad taxidermy work. Go and get it done right. Go to Old Barn Taxidermy. I've seen their turkey mounts. They look like the thing is still alive. Um, that's actually, I think, kind of Sam's specialty there. Uh, just does a tremendous job with everything that comes out of that shop. Over 500 shoulder mounts every year. Um, elk. Mule deer, like I said, turkeys, pheasants, waterfowl, mountain lions, bears, bear rugs, you name it, Sam will mount it, and it'll be well worth your money. You you won't you won't uh, regret it at all. And uh, if you go, be sure you tell them that I sent you there, and um, that will help me out and uh, help them out. So thank you so much again, though, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you to Jacob for joining. Please check out Primal Faith. Uh, as it as it unrolls here over the next year uh, i can't wait to see and like jacob said hopefully we're having this conversation again next year and just hear about the traction that's been gained but thanks again everyone Till next time take care and take someone hunting